Welcome to Founders First, a show about mental health in entrepreneurship and how to build resilience to stay stronger, happier, and be more successful. You can engage more in the conversation by going to the App Store on your phone and searching Founders First Community. Our guest today is a six-year NFL veteran and wide receiver for the New Orleans Saints. After coming into the league undrafted and with few people believing in him, he's best known for hauling in the game-winning final pass of Super Bowl 50 for the Denver Broncos, which also happened to be the final pass of Peyton Manning's career. Outside of the NFL, he's an entrepreneur, a leadership coach, and he holds a youth football camp in his hometown of Detroit, Michigan every year. He's also an author of an incredible book called Silver Spoon, The Imperfect Guide to Success. Today, we're speaking with Benny Fowler. Benny, to kick us off, one of the things you talk about is that you've been very fortunate in life, even previous to your football career. You went to a great prep school, you have a very loving and supportive family, and you talk about how important that support has been to you. But no matter what someone's background, I just can't imagine the pressure of playing for the NFL. We all struggle with some aspect of self-doubt and performance anxiety, I certainly do. So I have to ask, how on earth do you take the field in front of 80,000 people and perform? Do you just get used to it? Or is there some mental prep that you do to prepare yourself? Well, I want to say thank you first for letting me be here and thank you for that great introduction. In terms of performance, though, yes, it takes some getting used to in terms of playing in front of that many people. Unless you come from one of these big high schools in Ohio, California, Texas, where football is super big and they're already playing in front of that many people. But it's something you, it takes getting used to. But at the same time, what I like to tell people and help people understand is that football is still a game that has been that has the same principles regardless of how many people are out there. Hmm. So your job is not to focus on the people, it's to focus on the process of getting open and getting open and doing your job. Mm -hmm. So to focus on that, focus on the little details of the process of winning the game and thinking about the outcome that you really want. So it's a lot of fun though. It brings that energy, it brings that passion of playing in front of 80,000 people. I've had the privilege of playing in front of 115,000 people as well playing against Michigan our in-state rival you know me being a Michigan State Spartan playing in front of that many people is it just brings up so many emotions and football is a game driven off of emotion so Mm. it does take a little bit of getting used to but you start with visualizing visualizing the outcome that you want and everybody thinks visualization has to take 20 to 30 minutes just two minutes a day of thinking about the results that you want, not the things that you have to do, but the results that you really want in the game or in just in life. Mm -hmm. So tell me about like the first time you walk on a big field, huge audience there. Is it that easy in practice? Like the first moment you walk out, like what do you remember back to that? What are your thoughts? What are you thinking about? Are you able to say like, all right, here's my route. Here's the plan and get focused on that and not want to just look up at all these people and go, Oh my God, this is incredible. Right. Well, I think when people, when I first came, my first ever college experience going out onto the field is when it first hits you. Mm -hmm. And you see that, you see those 75,000 Michigan State screaming fans and it's just like, wow, I'm here. (laughs) And that's usually why a lot of players get redshirted. It's because that moment is, it takes them getting used to. Mm -hmm. The people that, you know, hit their stride right away, 
more power to them. I got redshirted my first year. So I got to experience what the stadium was like without actually having to go out there and having to perform. That's so Michigan State, you know, other colleges obviously do this as well in terms of, you know, protecting their players and making sure because, you know, confidence is a fragile thing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, going out there for the first time, it was incredible, though. You just can't believe that this many people are here for this one event. It's like a gladiator sport. It's like, you know, modern day gladiator sport where people are are watching us play inside this huge stadium. Yeah, this huge bowl like uh, the Coliseum. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, it's really interesting you say that because it's, you know, I always think about like red shirt as either medical red shirt or red shirt to let a player maybe become stronger to become big enough to play in the college scene when they're coming out of high school. But you're, you're sharing also there's a, a psychological component to this. Some players just mentally might not be ready for the pressure that comes from that jump into that, into that big stadium. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, absolutely. Like you said at the first, uh, when you first asked the question is, do they know the plays? You know, the playbook is extensive especially depending on who you're playing with. So do you know the plays? Because the environment is one thing, but then knowing your assignment Mm -hmm. and it goes back to Maslow's conscious incompetence and, you know, working your way up that ladder to where, you know, you can do this by second nature. So it takes a little bit of while. It takes a lot of reps. And then as a freshman, when you're coming up there, you have to get adjusted to campus class as well as playing football. So that's why you see a lot of players get rich. It's It's not only a physical thing, it's a mental thing as well, because everybody physically, is somewhat on the same page, but it also takes some getting used to, just like in business. Mm-hmm. You don't just step right into the CEO role. <laughs> you, 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 you work your way up the ladder, you understand how the business works, and then you take over from there, unless you know you're an entrepreneur or you are <laughs> the CEO, but that also takes some, some getting used to, and you need some help and you need some peers to, to help you move along and move forward. Yeah, I remember you know, starting my most successful company I ran from 2002 to 2012. And like, yes, I was the, actually, I wasn't the CEO. My co-founder was the CEO, but like, yes, we were CEO and chairman. I was chairman of the board of this company from the early stage, but like, you know, we were also the only two employees in the company. So sometimes those titles come, come on and kind of bring a lot of pressure before they mean a lot. And then over the years as that company grew, Luckily, kind of in your same analogy here, right? We had time until it was a hundred-person company and it was a two hundred-person company. And the the journey for us was not as much about solving product problems and marketing problems. We had a team of people to do that. The journey for us as founders in that company was trying to figure out how to grow ourselves up to be CEO and chairman of a company with hundreds of employees and investors, because that was that was not the people we were when we walked in. Okay. So I want to transition us over to kind of chasing intensity. So we're talking about kind of the pressure of the field. Um, You and I've talked about something that we have both experienced, which is the inclination to chase intensity. Um, When our work or our career or our business is so intense, that instead of finding time to relax and reset in our non-work time, we look for more adrenaline or even conflict, uh, whether we realize it or not, as a way to counterbalance the intensity of what's happening at work. This is something a lot of our members here at Founders First I know have struggled with as well. So you have this crazy intense job with tons of pressure and a lot at stake in every game. In what ways have you seen your peers struggle with this kind of chasing of intensity on and off the field? And and, and how do you manage it? Yeah, I've struggled to manage it at times in my career. Now I have a clear understanding of who I am now and where I'm going. So the way I would say manage it now is you have to figure out who you are and who you want to be, and then where you want to go. Because a lot of us are chasing something, and we don't really we don't really know what it is. 
at first in early on in my career, we, I was chasing a Super Bowl. So I had a very clear goal and it was, and I was playing with Peyton. So I was already nervous every single day when I was walking into that building, hmm. but I had a clear outcome. It was just to get open and do my job. So that made life simple. After he retired and after we won the Super Bowl, I was, it was all about chasing money for me. And how do I get my second contract and how do I get a hundred million dollars? Mm-hmm. And if I look back on it now, what would a hundred million dollars do for me? Don't get me wrong. The money is great and money can provide so many things. But what I really was chasing is that after my career, I want freedom of choice and freedom to do what I want and live life on my own terms. That's why people become entrepreneurs. We want to live life on our own terms. When I'm done playing football, I don't want people to tell me what to do. I'm the boss. I'm the author of my life. Mm -hmm. That's what I really wanted. I wanted to control more. So I think identifying what you really want is, is one of the biggest things when it comes to that. But I was chasing money and I was chasing fame and I was chasing things that weren't necessarily going to make me happy. Mm-hmm. But like you said, we like challenges, but there are so many different ways to find challenges, mm-hmm. so many different ways. And we can find them in healthier ways. You know, you can just, you can surround yourself with the right people, support groups, mentors, coaching There's so many different ways, just the relationships that I've gained since you and I shared the stage in September, mm-hmm. Keith, you know, that's who you surround yourself with. So it can just open your eyes to certain things. But at first, you know, I was chasing all that money. And then I had to, my coach was like, okay, you get a hundred million dollars and then what? Mm-hmm. And then when I had that conversation with him, I was just like, I don't know. <laughs> so that's, you know, kind of what I would share about that. Yeah. That, that's, it's a really interesting story because one of the short, the stories I share about my entrepreneurial background is this obsession that my co-founder and I had years ago with building a hundred million dollar company. So there's something about that number that I think just haunts so many of us, right? We realized that in, in the Southeast in North Carolina, where we were building that software company at the time that almost no companies have exits above a hundred million dollars. That was kind of like, you know, the Holy grail for proving ourselves as entrepreneurs. And so even, even when we had like, $15 million in revenue as a couple of 20 year old kids, we were like, we want to have a hundred million dollar company. Um, and, and it took years till we asked ourselves kind of similar questions that it sounds like your coach helped you think about, right. And, and transform your thinking about it, which was, you know, why not build a $15 million company and why not build a $25 million company? And what if it's a hundred times harder to build a hundred million dollar company than it is to build a, you know, $15 million company. Like there's actual trade-offs here, right? We might not actually want that goal in the way that we, we think we do coming into it. Yeah. And it really came down to my purpose. When I come back, when I come back and think about it now, as we talked earlier uh, this week, it's like, what was the real purpose of the hundred million dollars? Like if I get the hundred million dollars, that's cool. But if there's a purpose behind it, then I'm all for it. And my coach was like, if you have a purpose behind that, then I'm all for it. Now it's for me to build this incredible coaching practice and speaking business to where I'm impacting the lives of millions of people. Now, if that leads to 100 million, cool, but it's going to lead to the lives. Of, it's going to lead to me impacting and connecting with others and helping them realize their vision and helping them move closer to what they really want in life and learning from them. Yeah, that's incredible. I love I love the the kind of focus and passion about where you want to take the the rest of of your life and your career. There's there's a reason behind it and there's kind of a, a north star that's leading you. Yes. Um I, I want to talk about this kind of 
<clears throat> feedback loop that we get as we become more and more, you know, successful in sports and business and, and whatever angles that, that are our pursuit. So studies show that many high performers and people with entrepreneurial personality types are more likely to have a number of predispositions. And one of those is our tendency to go to extremes, even showing uh, addictive behavior. This can be an addiction to adrenaline, food, drugs, or just an addiction to success itself, to just playing whatever game we're in, business or otherwise. If you ask us how much is enough and we're being honest as entrepreneurs, we'd pretty much always say a little bit more than I have right now. We're just moving the goalpost further back and further back. So you're in a space where your teammates and others have had amazing success. You're a peer group getting massive paychecks, all the things we dreamed of when, when we were young, uh, all the things that, um, you know, that we thought maybe we might never have in our lives. And is the addiction to success something you see among your colleagues? And, and how do you yourself stay grounded as you're getting this constant feedback that you're successful, you're successful, you're successful? Yeah, I think addiction to success is very true. Now, I don't know if you look like a Michael Jordan he wanted to win every single time and win at all costs. But I think it's a little bit different in terms of football and athletes, just in terms of you're not going to win every game. So, you know, you want to win every game, but there's an outcome at the end of every game. Now these players who stay in the game so long, I'm not going to say Tom Brady's addicted to success. I think he really loves the process. Mm -hmm. Like he has no more to prove. So I am wondering what he's chasing. I don't know him personally. Well, I do know him personally, but not enough to just ask him that. <laughs> but it is very interesting in terms of, of that. But yeah, everybody's addicted to success. I think athletes might be more addicted to fame than success. Mm. People patting you on the back, people recognizing where you are. Because even if I look at myself, after we won the Super Bowl, there were so many things being thrown at me that I was not expecting especially getting catching Peyton's last pass the fame was just becoming addicting and it was just like you almost think that you're better than everybody else and you're on a different pedestal mm -hmm. and that's where life hits you and it humbles you mm -hmm. <laughs> it always happens life is undefeated it's gonna find a way to humble you and that's just the way life is and thank you know thank god that you know nothing crazy happened or I didn't get in any trouble but you know I did get injured the next year after that, and I broke my elbow, but I think that was a way to just, you know, hey, come back to who you are. Hmm. Come back to your purpose. Come back to why, you, why you're here. Hmm. I also had another time in my career when I left Denver, and I was a free agent. Like, it's time for, to me, for me to get paid. <clears throat> and I signed with the Chicago Bears. And I'm now playing in the city that my mom is living in. So everything's going the right way. <laughs> But I had thought I had made it. I thought success was just going to come to me. Mm -hmm. And at the end of training camp, I got cut. And I was embarrassed. I was sad. It's like, what's going to happen now? So that a success addiction can sometimes put blinders on. Mm -hmm. But I think a lot of people are chasing that. It comes back, it's got to come back to who you want to be. Mm -hmm. Success is cool, but it's one of the, a lot of people can't handle it, mm -hmm. but. Yeah, and it seems like there's also kind of an increase in expectations either that the world has for us or that we have for ourselves. And we kind of visualize ourselves making it to that next notch on the, the fame category or the money category or the success category, whatever we want to call it. Um, and then that increases the pressure we put on ourselves 
And sometimes that's, that's not a place where we want to live. I've definitely felt that a little bit in the entrepreneurial world where it's like, I don't want anyone to expect my next company to have to be successful because right. as entrepreneurs, we have like an 85%, 90% failure rate, even people that have had multiple good exits. And if the world expects that from me, then I feel like a failure if the next one doesn't work, even when statistically, what I know is that I'm going to, you know, drop 95% of the passes that are thrown to me. And I have to somehow be okay with that as an entrepreneur. I'm assuming going into that, into the environment with the bears, you, I mean, you know, you're the guy who caught Peyton's last catch. Everybody's, you know, cheering you on, welcoming you to the team, expects you probably never will drop a pass the rest of your life because you're that good. Right. And then, and then, and then reality sets in. What, what does that, what did that feel like? It was tough. It was tough because like you said, the bears had laid everything out for me, put me up in a nice hotel to sign me. I mean, people greeting me at the hotel, sending me to the best restaurants. <clears throat> and I had placed some false expectations on myself as well. Like, oh, I don't have to work as hard as I used to. Mm -hmm. or Nobody's going to be watching me like how they used to. Mm -hmm. And some of that comes, that self-doubt comes in. And then as training camp was going on and I was seeing my performance not be as good, as, then that's when the, the self-doubt and the beliefs really started hitting me. Yeah. And I was playing, I wasn't playing good at all because it was, I wasn't centered mm -hmm. and have a purpose. I didn't set any goals that season. I didn't do any of the things that got me into the league at that point. Mm. Business is the same thing. You become successful. You're trying to reach another level of success, but you forgot what got you there. <laughs> you forgot the people that got you there. You forgot all the things that you did to get you there. And I think what I talk about in my book is handling success is just as important as handling adversity. Mm. You have to be able to handle success and people, you have to surround yourself with the right people. And um, I think, you know, you've done a great job in terms of, you know, understanding where you were and then not letting that, you know, come into fruition now. Mm -hmm. It's a constant process. And thank you. <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like, I've, you know, both gotten it wrong and, and sometimes in recent years started to be a little more self-aware with kind of where I am on the journey. But, but look, bad days still hurt. The self-doubt days, they don't ever feel good. You know, I have, I have a practice that I use from time to time when I'm, when I'm like feeling that like emotional gut punch of like, this didn't work or my idea didn't work or I feel like a failure right now where... I just, I literally say it out loud. Like, this is how I'm supposed to be feeling right now. This is okay. Yes. Because I think otherwise my brain responds to it and says, I hate this. I hate this. And that makes it even worse Then it's just, you know, self, self-destruction, self-abuse is the result if I go down that path. Absolutely. I, I didn't mean to cut you off, but yeah, I totally agree in what you're saying. And one of the things I'm super big on positive thinking. I'm, 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 I'm an advocate of that. I love to think positive. But if you don't think about the consequences when you're going after your goals or the things that might that you might have to change or adapt, that's the I feel like that's the problem in terms of anybody in life. We just feel like, all right, I got this plan. I'm super clear on where I'm going to go and nothing's going to happen. Mm -hmm. That's not how life works. <laughs> you can build a hundred million dollar company, but there are going to be times where things don't go right. You got to keep getting back up. And like you said, being OK with, all right, things are not where I want them to be right now. And I'm supposed to feel like this. 
not staying like that is not what we want to do. We obviously want to think about the possibility. And I'm super big on thinking about possibility because people always ask me, how do I stay positive? Well, like if something bad happens within my business, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm obviously down. I'm, a, I'm an emotional person. I'm a human being. Mm-hmm. They're like, how do you get out of that? Well, I still think about the possibility in the future and the vision of what it's going to be like when I do get what I want. And when I do get over this roadblock. Yeah. Back to visualization again, you shared it earlier and that's, you know, the same path here on, on the business side that we're talking about as well, right? Thinking about how we want it to go and how it might go and all the possibilities. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I have a picture of New York city in my, in my office is because it inspires possibility for me. It gets me excited. When I was playing with the New York Giants, I would go over to New York City twice a week just to feel the energy. Hmm. Because people move to New York with no money because there are people in New York who work three jobs just to pay rent, Mm -hmm. who are trying to be on Broadway. Mm -hmm. They're not thinking about all the things they have to do. They're thinking about the outcome they want. Mm -hmm. And that's where I try try to help people and coach people with don't think about where you are right now. Think about where you want to go. We always get, I got so many to do's. I got so many things to do. We get overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. No, think about the results you want. Think about the what and the why, the how will come. I love that. So I want to talk about the, the balance to this, this intensity of the business, business side, the building career success. Um, entrepreneurs have this inclination to just grind ourselves out. And you and I talked about this recently that we um, we're always trying to meet our goals to grow our companies. Founder burnout is one of the primary things that we help people work on here at Founders First so they can have a sustainable path to trying to create what they want to create because burnout is just so damaging in a lot of ways over the long term. Um, it impacts our families, our colleagues, our health personally, and sometimes in really detrimental ways. You shared with me your thoughts about downtime and vacations and how they can be part of a success strategy. So not like indulgence or laziness or rewarding ourselves when we haven't reached the goal yet. They're actually a a strategy for being successful. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, you have to design your life. And it's always going for me, it's always going to come back to vision. And if I think about like an NFL season and the way it's set up, it's a 17 week season. But we have a bye week in there. We have a Thursday night game in there. You might have a Monday night game in there. But there are days that is that are required by the NFL to have completely off where you don't come into the facility. Hmm. You need that mental reset. If you're just working, 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 you're not making better decisions. You're making emotional decisions. You're not being more productive. You're doing a lot of work, but are you being productive? And I think that's just, I, I think mental resets are super important, at least once a month. Mm-hmm. No work for two days, at least. Mm-hmm. I just took a vacation for three days. I haven't taken a vacation. I didn't take a vacation all last year, obviously, because of COVID. <clears throat> but I still did some work on vacation. I checked emails for an hour every morning. But that's all I needed. But then I had to enjoy myself. And coming back here, it's easy for me to get to work. Easy mm-hmm. for me to get back to the grind. Because I'm re- I'm reset, and I'm going to do it at the end of this month. Now I won't necessarily be three days, but I will take a, an entire weekend, no emails, nothing. Because I want my business to thrive. I don't want it just to survive. Hmm. I don't want to just be hanging on. 
and feel like I got to respond to every email or I'm going to lose a client. We sometimes we put ourselves in the scarcity entrepreneurs put ourselves in the scarcity mindset. Well, what if I don't do this? But what if, what if you do, do you want your business to last for five years or 20? Mm -hmm. Do you want your health to last for the next 10 years or the next 40? Do you want to be around here for your grandkids? You know, it's, it's, I'm always big picture, big picture. Cause if we're just focused, if we got this neuromounted focus, we're going to miss out on a lot of things that life has to offer. And the data around entrepreneurship is really interesting around this, around this. I think if you ask any entrepreneur in their first year, like how many years will it take to build, if it's a high growth company that they're intending to build, how many years will it take to build this big vision, right? A million customers change the world, whatever it is, you know, new product in a new space. We'll probably say, you know, two, three years, you know, four years, maybe worst case scenario. And then I'll either decide I want to stay in or I'll have a big exit, right? And the, the data around this shows that it's at least seven years. In most cases, it's 10 and quite often it's 12 and the entire venture capital industry has kind of rebuilt itself the last few years around assuming it's going to be 15, up, potentially up to 15 years before they get their money out of companies that they invest in. So the reality of how long this is going to take shows that this is much more like a career or uh, a marathon instead of a sprint. And if we're imagining that we're going to be out of this thing in two to three years, I guess it's probably easy to see why we sometimes make short-term optimizations. I don't need a vacation this year or next year, because you know what, the next year I'll have my exit and I'll be out and I can take the whole year off. Right? That's, that's just the, unfortunately, at least for us in the entrepreneurship world, not the reality. Um, even though we're all optimists and we like to assume it's going to be on the front side. When I heard you speak in September, I had the biggest relief of my life. First of all, you built a hundred million dollar company, but it took 10 years. And I was thinking that with COVID I wanted to help this many people and I wanted to do it just this year. Mm-hmm. And when I heard you talk, it was just like, no, this is a process. You don't just get a million people to follow your brand. It just doesn't happen like that. Mm-hmm. And now it's, it's made my work more, much more purposeful. Incredible. Purposeful work is a lot better. You'll get more clients, you'll get more customers. Mm-hmm. But if everybody's just trying to get, hundred million dollars in three years. <laughs> That's not how businesses are built. Mm-hmm. It takes a while. It takes time. You're trying to build something meaningful and that will last. Mm-hmm. So I do want to thank you for that because that was, it was like a big, like, just let me step back. Let me just stop trying to get this money so quick. It, the money's not going anywhere. People aren't going anywhere. Mm-hmm. Clients aren't going anywhere. If anything, the industry that I'm getting into, there's more of a need for it mm-hmm. if I take a step back. But I was in a scarcity mindset. Yeah. What, if, what if this person goes here? What if they don't like this? What if they don't like that? But what if they do like what I have? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much for saying that. And I can, I can tell you in, in year 10 of my business that if it had come any faster at me than in the 10th year, it probably would have killed me if it had hit me in the third year. <laughs> like I needed every bit of that time to try and be prepared and be okay for what it, what it meant to actually run a company of that scale. And, um, you know, I didn't come at 
the business world as a business person or with any real experience at all. I, I built my first website for my basketball coach in high school <laughs> as a hobby, <laughs> as a way to get out of mowing lawns for my neighbors because it really was terrible. <laughs> it was hot and I have asthma and I couldn't breathe. And so I was like, you know, this is a better way to make $40 an hour instead of $20 an hour and I can do it in air conditioning. And then the next thing I know, I built software. And then the next thing I know, customers wanted it. And then they told their friends and we built marketing campaigns around it. And then a couple of years later, I went, oh, crap. I'm a business person. <laughs> I don't know how to do that. I, I need time to catch up. And I, I think that that vision of, you know, we're going to be there in three years. Um, at least in my case, I'm thank I can just thank my lucky stars that I didn't get there in three years. Cause it would have, it would have probably killed me if it had come that fast. No, thank God it didn't. And look what you're doing now. <laughs> so you're a big believer in physically taking care of yourself and, and not just for professional reasons, but for the host of benefits it provides. In fact, you mentioned a digital fitness course that you're actually currently building. We all hear about the benefits of physical activity, but we're still generally bad at keeping up with it. Um, as a professional athlete, you've got a level of insight in this area. I think it's probably far beyond the rest of us. Can you tell us a little bit about your course and what you see as the importance of physical activity and physical fitness, especially during COVID for us right now in this time? Yeah, well, physical activity is just good for, for you mentally gives you clear mental frame of mind. Mm -hmm. It's actually better. There's so many studies on what it can do in terms of productivity in your business, especially wake, wake, uh, starting your day with a workout. Mm -hmm. So the reason why I developed a fitness course is because in the off season, the last thing I want to do is go back to training. I don't want to be in the gym for an hour, an hour and a half. And there's so many different workouts and trainers that have, you know, let's a 45 minute workout, hour workout. Let's get pumped. Like, I love that. It's all well and good. But in the off season, I like to take the stress off my joints and I don't really like to lift weights. Mm. So I just developed an online course with my personal trainer on the 20 minute workouts, 30 minute workouts I do in the off season to keep the stress off my joints, but still keep me lean, keep me fit and keep my energy up. And it, you don't need any equipment. So I just developed that because I was like, you know, people can't go to gyms right now or they might you know, depending on germs and things like that, why not just do things in the comfort of your home? Mm -hmm. I love that. So let's let's take that analogy and kind of think about it from, from the business world and the entrepreneurship world. So obviously there's a level of physical fitness that you need to maintain so that you can get back to where you need to be at the start of the next season. But let's say you could compress that to like two weeks magically somehow and do it all in two weeks before the season started again. What would your mental health be like if you didn't do any physical exercise through the rest of the, the, the off season. I'd be super stressed. I'd be super stressed trying to get what takes usually four months. I usually do, you know, three, three or four months out of the season. Mm -hmm. That's when I'll start ramping up every single day. And that will go to those hour workouts. Mm -hmm. And then a month and a half before six weeks before it's two a days in mm -hmm. terms of my working out. If I had to ch try to combine that into two weeks, I wouldn't go back out there and play. Yeah, you, that's the that's the first way, and that's the, that's how people get hurt. You see those players who get hurt at the beginning of training camp every year. Some of those injuries, you know, come from actually playing football, but a lot of injuries that come from players, especially in the first week or two of training camp, are because they're out of shape and they mm -hmm. try to just ramp up their training a month or two weeks before. So when you're putting out a product, it's like, you know, designing a product and then putting it out the next week and then be like, oh, nobody's buying it. 
but you didn't think it out. <laughs> you weren't ready to go out there and you're stressed and you're trying to figure out ways for people to buy it. So yeah, you, entrepreneurs, anybody, everybody needs good physical health. You have, you have to have it just for longevity, mental clarity, brain power, and just a release of that stress. It's, it's incredible to think about, right? Because I think we, it's easy to maybe look at professional athletes from the outside, folks like myself that don't understand everything that goes on behind the scenes. And then to hear you say that it takes four months to get back in the place you need to be to start the season again. That's an incredible amount of work behind the scenes. This isn't just like show up at training camp and training camp trains you, right? Like this is coming into that in a prepared way. It reminds me a lot of what so many entrepreneurs do where we, to your exact analogy here, we, we build a product for six months and we build a product for months and months and months. And, and sometimes it appears, you know, I, I know every time I look at my competitors' product launches, I always think, oh my God, they built that in a week. They're so much smarter than me. How did they do that? And then I look at my own and realize it took 12 months and I go, why did it take so long to build that? But the reality is behind any, any finely tuned product person, professional, whatever it is, is a ton of practice and repetition and not just days or hours, months. I think that's really interesting. Absolutely. And that's in it's And it stays like that. You know, throughout the season, you know, people think that we just go to the building, we go to practice, and then we just get ready for Sunday. I'm in the building at seven in the morning. <laughs> Our first meeting is until nine o'clock, hmm. but I have to go in there. I get to get a lift, eat meetings at nine. We're installing plays for two hours. We practice for two hours. Then we go back and then we rewatch the film and then you have to watch extra film. Hmm. And that's just Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Saturday, you have a little bit of a break, you're walking through, and then Sunday, you go out there and play. But yeah, it's it's a process. And that's one of the things that I wish when I first got into the entrepreneurial space that I understood, because we're so busy comparing, and comparison is a thief of joy. We're so busy comparing ourselves to others. And like you said, you look at somebody else and they got this product out, it looked like they got it done in a week. They might've been working on it for three years. We just We just don't know. But we always get into this comparison. And I got into it early. Like, I got to put this out. I got to put this out now. And my mentor was like, relax. Make it as good as you can. Now, don't be per a perfectionist in terms of holding to put it out. But this is going to take a while. You don't, people don't just build. Because I wanted to build a, a, a great online course. And he was like, people don't just build online courses in a week. You have to tape it. You have to reverse engineer it. You have to make sure you're, you're, ideal audience wants it. <laughs> so there's so many things that go into it. It's just, there's a lot of synergies in, in sports and business because it's all about strategy. It's all about preparation, surrounding yourself with the right people, achieving your goals, going back to the, trying to go out there and win the game and then going back to the drawing board. Mm -hmm. So if Monday's workout practice, Tuesday's workout practice, all the way through the week, Saturday's a, a couple hours for yourself, Sunday's back at it again, it's game time. What, what day do you get to do all the fun stuff that I sh saw on the show Ballers on HBO? Are you supposed to ride around on yachts and stuff? What day is that? <laughs> it's in the off-season. Okay, that's the off-season. All right, fair enough. That's in the off-season. Well, that's, it depends on where you're at in your career, that, all that stuff. That's why sometimes I don't really like those shows. It's not a big – that's some of the life. Mm -hmm. like if what people see on Ballers and things like that, that might have been some of my life when I first got into the NFL and I didn't know – necessarily who I was or where I was going. If I had to <laughs> redo things, 
well, I wouldn't redo them, but you know, I would get a mentor or a coach in terms of like, I, you know, I know you're in the league and you just got in here, but like, what's, what, what, what does life look like in 15 years? Because mm-hmm. one of my earlier mentors said, right when you walk in the NFL, your first day in there, you're on your way out of the league. Now, I don't care if you play for 10 years. I don't play if you 15 years. Wow. Right when you step in, you're on your way out because there's a, there are new college kids coming in every year. You're coming to replace somebody. That's one of the craziest things about the NFL and why the NFL is always going to be one of the best games. It's because the talent is going to just come back. So it's going to keep coming back and keep coming back. And then it's going to weed everybody out unless you have those Tom Brady's, Drew Brees, Payton's. You know, the guys that I've been fortunate enough to play with, those are a dime a dozen. Mm-hmm. Everybody else, you're in and then you're out. Mm-hmm. NFL stands not for long. <laughs> that is so true in the world of entrepreneurship as well, isn't it? Yeah. 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 When you start your company is the day. I love that. It could be applied directly, I think, is the, is the first day of your way out of this journey as an entrepreneur. Yes. <laughs> and, and where are you going to go with it? Right. Like we don't. We don't, you know, sometimes it feels emotionally like we live or die by these companies, but hopefully there will be us after the company. Hopefully there will be, you know, players will be, will, will always continue to be people after they're not in the NFL. And we've got to struggle with that. to live with what's left of ourselves at that point. And we got to think about that resource. Yeah. That's why you see players struggle with identity, though. You see players go broke. And yes, it's a sad thing, but they've attached their identity. And like some people might do. Even some things I've seen in my family, they attach their identity to the business. Mm-hmm. So players, you would think that players would learn from other players, but they're so attached to being famous and successful and being the guy that everybody looks and has to be around that they continue to spend their money like that mm-hmm. instead of knowing who they really are and taking a step back. Your yeah. business, football is what I do. It's not who I am, but it took me a while for me to understand that. Great. It's incredible. I think that's so relevant to us as entrepreneurs. So to our guests, I've got just a couple more questions for Benny. So if you've got a question you'd like to ask him, now's the time to drop it in the chat and uh, here in Zoom, and we'll make sure we get to it as we're um, rounding out the last part of our session here. So I want to talk about setbacks because you've got part of your story. You hinted, you mentioned it earlier. I don't know if everybody caught it. So I want to talk about this a little bit more, which is that as entrepreneurs, many of us really thrive on, on momentum. We find some success, we push higher and look for more intense, more intensity and it keeps us going. Uh, but the flip side is that when we hit a setback, it can be really tough to recover when we hit that bump in the road roadblock or just run straight smack into a wall. You've had amazing success as a player, huge crowd, Super Bowl, ESPN, all these incredible things you've experienced. But at the moment, you're actually sidelined with an injury, which has to be really challenging because I know you want to get back out there again. How has the recovery experience, recovery experience been for you mentally? What have you learned about how to keep your head up when you know it's not going to be an hour or a week, maybe even a month until you can get back? It's going to take some time. Tiny shifts, just trying to win every day. But knowing my ultimate end goal, which is to get back to 100%. So understanding that. And the fact that I can raise my arm now so I can show people like – I just had shoulder surgery, so I tore my rotator cuff in my leg from three months ago. But I did five push-ups yesterday for the first time. And that's how I stay consistent, celebrating my little achievements. Yeah, five. yeah, I can do it. I used to be able to do 100 push-ups straight. I can't do that right now. I'm going to celebrate that five, though, because if I really think about it, 
my body just got cut open for a repair. So three months ago, I couldn't do a push-up and I was in a sling and sitting in a chair. Mm. And now I can do five push-ups. That's progress. That's the way entrepreneurs, people should approach things. That's the way I approach things. Sometimes we just need to pat ourselves on the back. Like, man, I've made some progress today. Mm -hmm. I've made some progress this year. What can we focus on what we can control? Mm -hmm. Not the things that we can't. Mm -hmm. I can only focus on my attitude. I kind of get this from my dog. My, my baby boy, Simba, <clears throat> has an incredible attitude in terms of when I take him out, he likes to chase these little rabbits in our neighborhood. <laughs> I won't ever let him catch one because I, I like to see animals live. But he gets excited about the possibilities and the opportunity every day to achieve his goal and his dream. My dream or my goal right here is to get back to 100%. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to be excited about the progress I can make today. I'm going to think about the future, but what can I do today? Mm -hmm. So that's how I handle the recovery process. Benny, your journey and your experiences are incredible, and you attribute much of it to mental toughness and perseverance. In fact, you said it was not only physical but mental preparation that ensured that you caught that final pass, Manning's final pass in the Super Bowl. We all struggle with these things. We all have shortcomings. So we'd love your advice. What would you say is the difference between having talent and having talent plus perseverance? And what tools and habits do you use to keep yourself resilient and mentally tough so that you don't burn out? So you're ready for those big moments. The next time a big pass like that goes into the air and it's on its way to you, um, when that moment comes, how do you be ready for it? Man, there's a lot of tools. And I think you and I shared one of those tools. I think you were sharing a breath work technique the um is it square square yeah move? box breathing yeah box breathing. stage breath yep so i'm i'm super big on mindfulness meditation just in terms of being in that present moment mm -hmm. but conversations like this can't go unnoticed surrounding yourself with, with self with people and opening up to people because like you said we all struggle with things like this but we all try to put on this facade as if, oh no, I'm tough. I'm doing this, I'm doing that. Let all that go. Mm -hmm. Surround yourself with people. Surround yourself with good people, people that will embrace your goals and your dreams. I was talking with somebody the other day and they're like, they have a business partner that feels like they're dreaming too big. Well, I was like, you can't be in business with this person yet. <laughs> It's just not, you're not going to get along with them. Mm -hmm. But there, surrounding yourself with the right people, mindfulness and meditation. I mean, they're, they're, those are just like a couple of things that come to mind. There are so many different tools. Vision, visualizing, but writing down your vision, writing down the feelings that you want. Yes, we're chasing the money and the cars. And I think things like that are good. And I encourage people to do that as well, because I do do that in my visualization and, and also when I'm writing it out, mm -hmm. but also the feelings that I want, that freedom that I want, mm -hmm. that, that choice, being able to choose when I can take meetings. Mm -hmm. That's super important. Knowing what you want is super important. Yeah. You're not in people. I want, I don't want people to feel like they're alone. Entrepreneurs, we tend to just, we, 
like you said, we get we get super focused. We got this vision. We're working. We're working. We're working. Don't forget to talk to this person to the left or the right of you or your family. Mm-hmm. That's going to get you that juice that you want. When when Peyton came into the huddle, I was the I was the lowest paid guy. <laughs> you know, Demarius is making seventy five million. Emmanuel was making fifteen million. I was the I, I was the undrafted guy in there. but I was thinking about what's possible if I catch this. My parents are in the second row in that end zone. What's that going to be like when I catch this? Because it's on NFL films. He tells me right then that he's going to throw me the ball because I'm not, I'm not the guy they're thinking that's going to catch it. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. And it happens and look where my life is. But I I always take it back to none of that could have happened if Peyton didn't come up to me that day when I first got there and introduced himself, like he was just a normal guy Mm. and him saying, Hey, my name's Peyton. I'm like, bro, I know who you are, (laughs) but him doing that made me want to run through a wall for him, which eventually got me on the field so he could trust me. And then I could get to that point, Mm -hmm. but surrounding yourself with the right people, having that dream, having those goals and having that vision for your life. That's what keeps you mentally going. That's what keeps me mentally strong. Because I know what I want. I'm so inspired just hearing the, the kind of inside piece of that story. Like gets me, gets me fired up. I know other people listening to this must be feeling the same way too. Like that the, you had that moment in the huddle and then you hear Peyton say, the ball's coming to you. And like, this is the, this is the moment, the, the entrepreneurship world, right? It's the partnership we've been working on for three years that will be huge and has said no or not yet. And then they call and say, today's the day. One of our Founders Forum uh, members, uh, Ryan Ulateri, a couple months ago, um, has a nationwide distributed Bloody Mary mix. And he just built it in Charleston in his, in his, in his kitchen one morning and um, had the opportunity to have a big partnership. I think it was with a big grocery store chain and had and shared that moment as well, where they said, we're ready. We need, you know, X number of hundreds of thousands of units of the product. And he goes, oh my God, this is the moment, right? This is the moment that I've been waiting for this phone call. And then to act and to be able to pull it off, right? Is, is not necessarily the easy next step, right? The pressure that puts on us and the excitement, it's incredible. So Benny, this is all amazing. Thank you so much for sharing your thoughts with us. I'm going to turn over to some of the questions in chat here and, uh, and, and share them. We can talk about them. First of all, I don't know if you saw some of these coming in, but Aaron said, I love the rewarding, the small victories piece. Lots of good thoughts here. Love the transparency from Kimbe. And uh, Ollie says he likes Keith's surfboard. We all like Keith's surfboard. <laughs> <laughs> Terry Finney said, how did you get so wise? Yeah, at, at a young age, uh, I think incredible as well, right? You've learned so much and, and you're sharing so much. Um, so Terry asked the question, what was it like to go from being part of a team to working solo? Well, I'm still a part of a team. <clears throat> I mean, I'm on the Saints right now, so I know I'm hurt, but um, working solo, it's been a lot of fun. No one can tell me what to do. I know how to set my own schedule now, um, but I've surrounded myself with the right people. I talk to Keith every week. Mm-hmm. Um, I surround myself. I, I don't feel like I'm working by myself. I know my big, I know my vision, my business and my vision is primarily mine, mm-hmm. but I feel like I'm sharing that with people. And I feel like people are helping me in so many different ways. So I don't necessarily have a team that I'm paying, but I have a group of peers that are helping me and supporting me. So I don't feel like I'm by myself. 
That's incredible. And that's something that I think a lot of our speakers have shared with us here, a wisdom that I think is just so, so incredible. And, and probably I didn't get it a long time ago, which is that, you know, as entrepreneurs, sometimes we can feel alone, but we can also build our personal teams around us. Um, we can have coaches, we can have therapists, we can have doctors, we can have friends, we can have just peers that help us out in, in the business world. And it's a completely different experience actually being alone with nobody to talk to in the business world versus having peers and other people that we've built around us that are that are part of our team. One of our speakers, um, Carl Shallowhorn, I think it was actually our last one in, in 2020 shared, the team that he's built around him as an entrepreneur. He started his company in April of 2020. Like what a crazy time to be starting a business for the first time. And, yeah. and he has this huge team of friends uh, that, that help hold him accountable. And he even asked them specifically to like, watch my mental health and watch how I am and give me feedback on it and tell me when I'm off so I don't lose sight of it. And there are ways for us to do this and, and not have it be a, a solo act as in, in the entrepreneurship world. So it's yeah, incredible I, to hear you, you say this, this as well, that you've, you don't feel alone. You've built this team around you and uh, it's a different experience. So next question is from Doug. Doug says, congrats on the success. Can you speak to a big failure, maybe outside of football and how you handled it? <clears throat> A big failure outside of football. I mean, a lot of my failures have been kind of related to sports just because mm -hmm. I'm, I'm still in it. Mm -hmm. um, I can't say my business is a failure right now. I've spent a lot of money within my business and I haven't made my return back, but I don't see it as a failure. Mm -hmm. I see it just as a a stepping stone in terms of moving in a different way, having an actual plan and an outcome that I really want before I go to spend that money. Mm -hmm. But I guess you could call that a failure. I mean, I've, I've had a lot of sports failures. I don't know if I've had a lot of failures in terms of me. Uh, personally, I could have definitely been a better boyfriend in the past in terms of handling success you know winning a super bowl and you feel like all right no one can tell me anything <laughs> mm -hmm. so learning from that in terms of work-life balance and how to treat people especially the people that you love mm -hmm. yeah thanks for sharing that the next question is from shelby how do you combat negative self-talk those moments even what you just said right like you've got this big vision for the business we're not there yet. We get, we all feel this as entrepreneurs, right? Huge vision. Usually the vision is, is absolutely massive. Right. And then we start kind of measuring ourselves against this. It's so easy to have negative self-talk. You know, I'm not there yet. You know, maybe I'll never be there. Maybe the fact that I'm not there in two months is, is foreshadowing the fact that I'll never be there. Right. Or, you know, it, it can get in our heads so easily. How do you, how do you handle that, that self-talk that we all experience? Affirmations, incantations, Every day I tell myself, every day in every way, I'm getting better and better. All I need is within me now. Mm -hmm. At last, at last, I'm done with the past. I've broken free. I love being me. That's something I repeat to myself every morning. And I repeat wow. it when I'm working out too. Like, because at the end of the day, we always think that self negative self-talk is going to go away. Like your brain is just too powerful. Mm -hmm. You're going to have those thoughts. So confronting yourself and be like, you know what? I'm going to have some negative thoughts here. I say my incantations, anybody can make their own incantation of things that empowers them and things that they believe in. But I'm also a big proponent of setting your environment up to think, make, help you think positively. Mm -hmm. 
That's why I have the picture of me in the Super Bowl. Like that's an incredible moment for me to always keep me inspired. New York City mm-hmm. inspires me. There are things, my vision board inspires me, things on my fridge to inspire me. Somebody asked me why athletes are so disciplined. It's because if you go into an NFL facility, there's nothing but everything that, that makes you think championship, positive, efforts, discipline. Hmm. There's, there, is, there is no uh, fried food. It's salad bars, fruit. That's how athletes stay together. Their env- our environment is set up like that. Hmm. There's nothing but trophies and pictures of past greats, people who are doing well, ways to measure your progress environment is everything mm-hmm. environment is everything it, it inspire is it should inspire you but negative self-talk it's gonna it's gonna be there mm-hmm. it's to be mindful and aware of it and don't get in the in the loop of going down that mm-hmm. all right benny i'm gonna let you pick because we have time i think for one question and we have two so one's on visualization and the other one is on making sure you focus on the right goals which one do you want <laughs> We can do both. All right. Hey, all right, let's do it. So from Dan, this has been really inspiring. Benny, thank you. You touched on visualization a little bit, seeing the goal, but also the steps you need to take to get there in your visualization. How often do you use visualization? Not too frequent. You do it every day. Like what part of your routine is it? I do it every day. I do it before I, I did it before. Right when you guys saw me step over to the right, right before we start mm-hmm. talking to myself and doing some quick breath work. Nice just because I wanted to see how it was going to go. You know, just imagine in my mind, imagine the words flowing out. Mm-hmm. 30 seconds. And if I want to do it a little bit longer, you know, if I'm thinking about visualizing my business and where it wants to be in 10 years, I'm thinking about the success, but I'm thinking about how I have to navigate the hurdles. Mm-hmm. A sale not going through. And then see myself responding to that. Or see myself have to navigate this mm-hmm. or combating something. Visualization just can't all be positive. Think, see yourself navigating through things. Hmm. So even you don't you don't want to over visualize dropping the past, but <clears throat> I have visualization visualizations of the perfect game. Mm-hmm. Then maybe dropping the pass, the first pass I get, and then having three four catches after that. Hmm. Oh, that's incredible. Yeah, but thinking about the results, don't think about the to dos. Hmm about the results and then brighten them and brighten them in your mind mm. and then get that feeling stand up change your state mm-hmm. before i visualize vi- visualize jumping jacks push-ups you know <laughs> breathing mm-hmm. get yourself excited and then visualize don't just sit back in your chamber and then think about it you know so mm-hmm. I think it's it's clear to all of us hearing how you manage your life and yourself and your plans and, and your dreams that that a lot of the discipline that's made you successful in the sports world is is that you're bringing this over to your life as an entrepreneur now. And I think, at least for me, it's it's really inspiring to see that that these that you've built this kind of process and tools around you that uh, that you're carrying over with you and and we all are going to be picking these up ourselves this is what what these sessions are about is for us to absorb these and, and take them with us into our lives as entrepreneurs incredible all right so last question comes from ollie um great talk aaron and benny thanks ollie uh, i would love to know how you challenge yourself to find out who you really are and that you focus on goals that actually matter 
lot of us fool ourselves into creating superficial goals that don't really address our why. And we both kind of shared those superficial goals we had at one time, right? $100 million contract, $100 million company, right? So how do we find, how do we find the real goals? Well, those superficial goals lead to the goal underneath. So the way that you really know if a goal that you really want to achieve it is tell, give me 10 reasons why you must achieve it. 10 things that you're going to gain. And then 10 things that you're going to avoid. Then you'll find the underlying reason why you want the goal. So when I wanted the $100 million, I wanted the freedom. I wanted the choice. I wanted to be able to help my family. I wanted to be able to travel whenever I wanted to. I wanted uh, my mom to buy my mom a house. There were there were ten reasons why, and there were ten things I was going to avoid. I was going to avoid poverty. I was going to avoid um, low self esteem. I was going to avoid. There were so many things I was going to avoid, but I had those ten things. Read those every single day, and just I get up at five o'clock in the morning. It's easy. I'm inspired. Go to sleep late at night, but. I know how to do these visualizations. I know how to just set my days up now to stay inspired. Mm-hmm. Like it's the reason why sports and entrepreneurship or business in general relate is because there, there is an ultimate end goal. Why are we chasing the Super Bowl? Mm-hmm. Legacy. Only one, less than 1% of people can say that they've done that. Mm. Significance. The reason why I live in Denver is because I won here and my impact is a lot bigger here. That's why players, you're seeing players move back to Denver. Hmm. When you're a champion, everybody wants to be associated with you. Yes. The trophy's great. What about the relationships? What about the grind? That's what it's all about. Mm-hmm. What an incredible takeaway uh, tomorrow in my morning meditation and journaling, I'm pulling those whys in exactly as you just said. And I think it's going to be transformational. I hope we'll, we'll all consider that process too, right? That there's, there is, there are a bunch of whys and, and even why nots behind whatever the goal we think we're chasing right now is maybe it's the right one, but if we dig into it, I love that and figure out what's driving it, we can find really what our real purpose is. We will do more to, people will do more to avoid pain than they will to get pleasure. That's why the 10 reasons why you must do this or why if you don't do it, mm. it's gonna drive you. And then the 10 reasons why, of all the things you're gonna gain is what will help you not burn out and sustain. But we will do more to avoid pain than to gain the pleasure. Incredible way to close this out, Betty. Thank you once again for your time, your amazing work. We're so grateful for your insights. And I'm sure everyone here is going to go pick up a copy of your book, Silver Spoon, The Imperfect Guide to Success. And we look forward to seeing more of you on and off the field. Thank you so much, Benny. Thank you for having me. I appreciate you. Thank you, guys. Yeah. Thanks so much, everyone. See you next time. Thank you for joining us at Founders First. This conversation continues in the Founders First community. Search Founders First Community in the App Store on your phone to learn how to prioritize your health and wellness to become more successful, get your questions answered by top entrepreneurs, and receive notifications about upcoming shows. Until next time, stay healthy, be at your best, go change the world. (laughs) 